We're just going to pray before we start. Our Father in heaven, thank you for the opportunity to continue our study of the teaching of Jesus. Thank you for the many blessings of this Sabbath day and of this Impact Scandinavia conference. We open our hearts again to you and to your spirit as our teacher. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, thank you to our audio team. We're going to start the music and we'll sing it together. Try to sing along with us. The harvest truly is great, but the laborers are few. The laborers are few. singing. It's beautiful. Take your Bible, if you would, and turn to the words of Jesus in Luke chapter 10. Some of you were with us for part one. 
How many of you were not with us for part one of the seminar? You're just here now? Okay. So I'm going to do a short summary. Okay. And by the way, if you would like to get the presentations that you missed, you can go to theradicalprayer.com and download free the study outline. In fact, you can download a series of sermons on the Radical Prayer too if you'd like to share those with, the, with some people back home. Theradicalprayer.com and you can download those free. But here's a brief summary. Turn to Matthew 10 and verse 2. Jesus, it says in verse 2, said to them, and remind us someone who was here, who, who is the them in the context? It's the 70, and, and by extension, us too. The 70, unlike the 12 who are just sent to the lost sheep of the house of Israel, the 70 sent to every town and village. So they are to go, as Jesus said, into all the world to preach the gospel. And we know it's also us because he says, I'll be with you even until the end. So it's not just the people back then. So he says to the 70 and also to us, the harvest truly is what? It's great. And we discovered from our study in part one The harvest, as a metaphor, can refer to two activities. One, the judgment, when? At the end of the age. And who are the harvesters? No? Jesus, seated on on the throne with the sickle, and the angels are the harvesters in the final judgment, right? We read the text, Matthew 13, Revelation 14. So one use of the metaphor of the harvest is the judgment at the end. But there's also the present harvest work. And who are the harvesters for that work? That's us. huh? And what is that harvest work? It is inviting people to become a part of the kingdom of God. And Jesus says, the harvest truly is what? And we studied in part one that sometimes that's obvious from a human perspective, but most of the time we, we don't see the harvest the way that God does. So we need to pray, God, help me to see my community. Help me to see my town, my city, my country the way you do. And by the way, God doesn't count in numbers. Even one person is a great harvest for the kingdom of heaven. Amen? The harvest truly is great. That's the radical perspective. But then, in the second part of our study in part one, we talked about the radical problem. And that is, even though the harvest is great, the laborers are few. Actually, there are plenty of laborers, but the laboring laborers are few. The working workers are few. And in our study, we discovered that there are not many laboring laborers or working workers, because those who have been called to be workers, many of them have become, what was the word, do you remember? Become what? Distracted. By material possessions, perhaps, or by work, or by relationships. Distracted them from being laboring laborers. A 
appreciated Jesse's message this morning. And the interesting relationship between the wise virgins and the ones that use the talents. That's the same thing. It's like we are not just called laborers, but we are laboring laborers in the harvest. That's what Jesus wants, right? So the harvest is, but the labors are few. That is why we need today's study, because we want to talk about a radical prayer that Jesus asks us to pray. Now, this is not safe. If some of you want to live, live a safe life, you probably should leave now. Because this, what I'm going to share with you, is quite dangerous. Uh, I have shared this in many parts of the world. Some people have prayed, their lives have been radically changed, including some who are at this conference. I've also had people, even a pastor who told me, I heard this one year ago, I haven't prayed the prayer. I... Why? I don't know what will happen. Well, would you agree something needs to happen? We're still here. And the harvest is what? So because the harvest is great, but the laborers are few, look in your Bible with me, Luke chapter 10. We're just studying the word of Jesus here. The harvest truly is great, but the laborers are few. Therefore, pray. Therefore is a conjunction. It, it relates to what was just said. Because the harvest is great, but the laborers are few. Therefore, pray. Now, in the Greek language, the New Testament is written in Greek. In the Greek language, there are several verbs that can be translated to pray. It can mean to make a request, to express a desire. But the verb used here is the verb deomai. Listen carefully. Deomai. And deomai means to beg. What does it mean? Now, our translators, I don't know what it says in your Finnish Bible or your Swedish Bible or your Romanian Bible. Uh, a lot of times they follow the English translation. Uh, pray. Okay. But, you know, pray can... This means to cry out. To beg. It sounds a little stronger than pray, right? Now, if you don't read the Greek language, you can, you can use a concordance to find other places where this same verb, deomai, is used. Does anyone here own a concordance? Do you know what it is? Okay. I have a little one in the back of my Bible. That's where you can look up a word and it gives you all the places it's found. Do you have one in your Bible, maybe? But do any of you own a, like a separate concordance? You have one on your iPhone. Okay, good. Well, there are different concordances. Uh, a helpful one is called Young's, but it's in the English language. Young's concordance. But you can look up pray. You'll find different verbs and you'll find deomai. That's the one here. Means to what? What does deomai mean? To beg. Hmm? To cry out. Very strong. And then you find some places in the New Testament 
where that same verb is used. It helps you to understand the meaning. Let me give you a few examples. Uh, Luke chapter 5. A leper comes to Jesus. And it says that, that, that he, he begged Jesus. Deomite. Lord, if you are willing, you can. Do you remember what he said? You can make me clean. Now, if you're dying, are you going to just pray a little casual prayer? Do Jesus help me to have a nice day? Amen. No. Jesus is coming, and the leper falls down and begs him. That, oh my. Begs him. Lord, if you're willing, I know you can do it, but are you willing? Do you see the strength of the verb? Deomai. You find Luke chapter 8, verse 38. Jesus has just set a demoniac free from a legion of demons. You know the story. The legion of demons. And now Jesus is going away. And the scripture says that this man, free now by the power of Jesus, it says he begged Jesus. Deomai. He begged him to go with him. Wouldn't you want to go with Jesus if he just set you free from a legion of demons? But Jesus was going to be with him even when he left. He says, go back to your people. Tell them what the Lord has done for you. But do you see the intensity? He begged him. Deomai, that's the verb. One more example, Luke 9 and verse 38, where a father has a son controlled by a demon that casts him into the fire. And he asked the disciples to cast out the demon. And they couldn't. And, and so the father comes to Jesus now, there are some fathers here. How many, any fathers here? Yeah, there are some fathers here. Okay. Uh, if your child was being harassed by an evil spirit, are you going to pray just like a weak little prayer? Or are you going to cry out to God? Huh? You cry out to God, right? You, the father, it says he begged Jesus. He begged Jesus. Oh, there's one more uh, beautiful reference in Luke 22. You could find this in a concordance. You could just go and find every place where Deomai is used. It, it's, it's about Jesus, where, where Jesus says to Simon, Simon, Satan has sought to sift you like wheat, but I have prayed for you. Do you know the text? It's the verb Deomai. I have cried out for you. See, Jesus doesn't pray weak little prayers. Jesus prays strong prayers. He cries out. Aren't you thankful that Jesus cries out for you even today? <laughs> Scripture says he ever lives to make intercession for us. So that's how Jesus prays. Jesus prays earnestly. And that's the verb that's used in our text. In Luke chapter 10, it says, Because the harvest truly is great, but the laborers are few. Therefore, pray. Deomai, cry out. Plead, beg. Now listen to me carefully. Someone says, wait a minute, Derek. Wait, stop. Am I trying to change God's heart by praying more earnestly? I mean, is, is that what it's for? Well, let me ask you a question. Whose heart needs to change? Does God's heart need to change? Whose heart needs to change? <laughs> My heart. Listen, I'm crying out to God because the harvest is great, but the laborers are few. I'm crying out to God. 
God is going to do something miraculous. I'm not trying to change God's heart. I'm telling God that I'm serious. My heart needs to change. You see, God wants to use you to impact the world. And, and, and Satan is going to complain and say, how dare you use that young woman? How dare you use that man? How dare you use that person so powerfully? And, and Jesus will say, my child cried out to me. Someone ought to say amen. I mean, it's powerful. Don't just pray, dear Jesus, help me not to get so angry today. Amen. Help me not to drive too fast to work. Amen. When the world is dying, it's time to pray strong prayers. Even before you know the prayer, it feels strong because it's, it's crying out to God, isn't it? Sometimes I think, when was the last time I really cried out to God? So I, I think I'm okay. I can do okay. I'll be fine. No, it's not fine, is it? God wants to turn the world upside down. <laughs> God doesn't want you to go back the same as you came to Ekebe home. It's time for... Strong prayers, not to change God's heart, to give him permission to change our hearts. The harvest is great, but the labors are few. Therefore, pray. That, that's, that, that's in an, the imperative. I know that's a tough word to translate. It's a command. Pray. Command. It, it's, a, it's a direct appeal to you. Pray. It's not just a suggestion. Pray. Because the harvest is great, but the laborers are few. You say, um, okay, you want me to cry out to God? So what should I pray? Well, let's see what it says. Therefore, pray. Cry out, beg the Lord of the harvest. And here my English translation fails. What my Bible says is, pray the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into his harvest. In the Greek, the word... the. Send out is, is the Greek verb apostello. We get the English, the English word apostle, apostolos, apostello, means to send out. Okay? It's found in verse 1. He sent out the 70, apostello. It's found in verse 3. I send you out as lambs. We'll talk about that in part 3 of this seminar. That's a, don't miss that third one, okay? That's really important. Apostello, to send out. In the middle, in verse 2, Jesus uses a totally different word, and yet the English translators translate it exactly the same as verse 1 and verse 3. They translate send out when that's not what Jesus said. So you say to me, Derek, well, why do they translate it send out if that's not what Jesus said? Maybe the same reason they put pray rather than beg. Maybe it sounded 
what Jesus actually said sounded too radical, like too intense. And so we go on praying nice little prayers. Dear Jesus, help me to have a nice day. When Jesus wants us to pray strong prayers. So you say, well, the English Bible says, pray the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers. But you're saying that's not what it actually says in the text. It doesn't use apostello there. So what does it actually say in the text? Went to my Bible. I'm not a Greek scholar. Are there any Greek scholars here? Like really, you, like you sleep in Greek and, you know. Okay. So I looked it up. And, and, and the verb that's used, I was surprised. I'm like, where's apostelos? Not there. The verb that's used there in verse 2, to beg the Lord to do something to laborers, is the verb ekbalo. We just created a new Swedish word, ekbalo. New Norwegian word, ekbalo. New Finnish word, ekbalo. New Romanian word, ekbalo. Any other German word, ekbalo. So we've created a new word in our language. What's the word? Ekbalo. That's what we're crying out to God to do. To ekbalo laborers. You're like, what does it mean? <laughs> Before I ask him to do it, what is it? Well, the... The verb balo in Greek means to throw. Balo means to throw. Uh, if you look in your concordance for balo, you'll find uh, when the fishermen cast their nets out of the boat, balo. Balo means to what? To throw. Um, when the sower casts the seed, the verb balo is used. Ballo means to, to throw. Uh, even, even in a hostile way, when, uh, when the enemies of Jesus picked up stones to throw them at him, the verb ballo is used, to throw. Or when John the Baptist is thrown into prison by Herod Antipas, ballo is used. Ballo means to what? Throw. Okay, but you said the verb is ek ballo, right? Ballo means to throw. The prefix ek means out. Yeah? So if ek means out and ballo means throw, we've got some brilliant linguists here. Ek means out. Ballo means to throw. Ek ballo means to throw out. That sounds a little more intense than send out, doesn't it? But actually, it gets even more intense. Ekbalo is used more than 30 times in the New Testament for casting out demons. Does that sound like safe to you? Well, that's pretty intense. Jesus, when he encountered a person with a demon, he says, shut up, get out. Ekbalo. He cast the demon out. So this is a very strong word. You're like, I don't know if I want to pray for God to do that to me. Where, where will I end up? You want me to ask the Lord of the harvest to ekbalo me? 
What's going to happen to me? That doesn't sound safe. Couldn't I just pray, do Jesus help me to have a nice day? This verb, ekbalo, and ekbalo means to what? Throw out. I don't know. Why, why do you think the English translators didn't translate that verse accurately? Anybody? What do you think? I mean, you ask any Greek scholar what ekbalo means. Nobody will say send out. Nobody. It's not what it means. <laughs> oh, it's too radical. It just doesn't sound safe. Couldn't we just say pray the Lord to send out harvesters? And we're still here. Or shall we beg the Lord to ekbalo laborers? <laughs> this verb ekbalo is used twice in connection with Jesus. I'm always interested how it connects to Jesus because I'm a follower of Jesus. Are you? Huh? Hello? I'm a follower of Jesus. Are you? Okay, so it's important to me. It's used twice in connection with Jesus. Once, you, some of you know the story, John chapter 2, Jesus comes to the temple and they have turned his father's house into a den of thieves. It was supposed to be a house of prayer for how many? All people. And, and they've turned it into a marketplace. John 2. And it says Jesus made a whip out of cords. And he, um, he sent them out. Is that what it says? No. It says he made a whip out of cords. By the way, there's no evidence he hit anybody. In fact, Desire of Ages says the, the divinity flashed through humanity. The glory of God is revealed. And, and they, the, the, these religious leaders run before the presence of the glory of God. But it says he made a whip out of cords. And he, do you know what it says? What does it say in your Bible? That's like in John chapter 2, maybe around verse 15. Anybody? How does it translate it in your Bible? John chapter 2. This is the verb ekbalo in connection with Jesus. Uh, he made a whip out of cords. What does it say in your Bible? He what? He drove them out. Anyone have another translation? No, no. Ekbalo. He drove them out or cast them out. Okay? That's one place where it's used. Now, does that sound casual to you or pretty intense? <laughs> I'm going to share my testimony in a minute of what happened to me when I prayed this prayer. It's not safe. Believe me, it's not safe. I told you that Ekbalo is used twice in connection with Jesus. The other time is even more interesting. Because the second reference confirms in my mind that Jesus prayed the radical prayer. What is the radical prayer? Simply this. Lord, because the harvest is great, but the laborers are few, I beg you to ekbalo, laborers into your harvest. And by the way, you can't pray for God to ekbalo laborers without saying, and I give you permission to begin with so I can't just say, God, I just beg you to ekbalo Dan. Hallelujah. 
Ek Balo, you know, give me someone's name, you know, Christian. Ek Balo. Oh, that's good. I, I pray God would throw out lots of laborers from Impact Scandinavia. But, but could I say, God, I beg you to throw out laborers into your harvest and you have my permission to begin with me. Did I tell you that Jesus prayed the radical prayer? You say, how do you know that, Derek? Look in the Gospel of Mark, chapter 1. Many times when we read the temptations of Jesus, we read from Matthew chapter 4, where it says uh, that Jesus was led by the Spirit into the wilderness. After 40 days, he hungered. Do you remember the story in Matthew? But look in Mark chapter 1 and verse 12. This, is, this took me eight years to find this. I'm pretty slow. Eight years studying this passage, I found this. I was like, Wow. Mark 1 and verse 12. What does it say in your Bible? Immediately, or something like that it says in your Bible, the Spirit, what? Drove him, that is Jesus, into the wilderness. Drove him. That's kind of a strange word, isn't it? Drove him. Would you like to guess what that is in Greek? A plus. It's ekbalo. Now, Ekbalo really means to what? To throw out, okay? So, if the Holy Spirit, this is really important, stay with me now. If the Holy Spirit ekbalos Jesus into his ministry, and by the way, God is going to use Jesus to impact the world, right? If the Holy Spirit ekbalos Jesus into his ministry, and the Holy Spirit never forces anyone, he never forces us against our will, if the Holy Spirit ekbalos Jesus into his ministry, that means that Jesus gave the Holy Spirit permission. It means that Jesus prayed the radical prayer. He says, Father, the harvest... Truly is what? But the laboring laborers are few. So I beg you to ekbalo laborers into your harvest. And, and here I am at the beginning of my ministry. And you have my permission to begin with me. And so the Holy Spirit ekbalos Jesus. That's a strange word. Drove him out. Ekbaloed him into his ministry. Now listen, if, if Jesus was ekbaloed by the Spirit, wouldn't it make sense that then he would say to the twelve, beg the Lord to ekbalo you. And then to the seventy, beg the Lord to ekbalo you. And then to the people here at Impact Scandinavia, wouldn't it make sense because Jesus said to his disciples, follow me. And he has set us an example. He says, don't just try to sit around and stay out of trouble until I come back. There is a work for you to do, as we heard this morning. You to use your gifts as we prepare for the return of Jesus. So don't just try to sit around and stay out of trouble. But beg the Lord of the harvest to ekbalo you. Into his harvest. Does that make sense? He says that's what I prayed. And 
That's what I want you to pray. You say, uh, what will happen to me if I, <laughs> if I do that? Well, I discovered the real meaning of this teaching of Jesus about, uh, about 13 years ago. It's a long time ago now. I was reading through the text, and I'm reading through Luke 10, verse 1, and I get to verse 2, and I'm like, what? Where's apostello? It's not there. It's not pray to send out. What is it saying here? And I discover that it is very intense. It's very radical to beg God to, to ek balo laborers. And I'm thinking, well, uh, whew, do I want to pray that prayer? What will happen to me? I was teaching at Southern Adventist University. It's in the state of Tennessee on the east side of the United States of America. Uh, some of you may have been there. I have one of my students sitting here, Pastor Tobias, who studied there. Uh, it, the nickname for the place where the university is is Happy Valley. It's probably like Ekebehom is to Sweden, you know. When people go there to teach, I was on the faculty, they stay there until they retire. They even have a cemetery there, so you can sleep there until Jesus comes. It's called Happy Valley. Why would anybody want to leave Happy Valley? And that's the problem. Because you should only be somewhere if God wants you to be there, right? You're not to be anywhere, even a good place like you are, and say, well, how long are you going to be there? Well, I've got another 15 years and then I can return. You are not to stay for that. You ought to be there because the Lord of the harvest wants you there. Someone asked me, I just left a, a place where God was working so many miracles in Orlando uh, to go to Washington to the General Conference to work with the Ministerial Association. They said, uh, how long are you going to be up there? I said, I have no idea. Only, only as long as, as God wants me there. I don't want to be there one day longer than God wants me there. <laughs> you say, well, where are you going to go? I said, I have no idea. So I pray the radical prayer as a professor at Southern Adventist University. Happy Valley. Everybody stays there till they retire or die. And God picks me up, and he ekballos me about 4,000 kilometers. 4,000 kilometers all the way to California. Now, fortunately, my wife and I, my wife and I are no longer two, but one. So we got ekballoed together. <laughs> Hallelujah. And we end up in California. And God teaches us many lessons there. And, and my wife, for two years, plans uh, to build a house. She designs a house. And we have just started to build the house. Just put the foundation. It's expensive to build a house in California. Just the, just the permits, the building fees, would be about uh, 200,000 kroner. Just to get the paperwork. To dig the hole. That's a lot of money for a pastor. 
or anybody. <laughs> we just dig the hole and just start building the house. And I get a phone call from 3,000 kilometers this way. But they don't say, oh, we have a nice job. It's a nice big, it's bigger than here. And, you know, no, no, no. This person says, we need someone to come and lead us to Jesus. And God spoke to my heart. God spoke to my heart and said, God, do you want us to go there? The church was, was facing some great challenges. Do you want us to go there? And so, you know, you listen to counsel because sometimes you don't know for sure. So I turned to my wife and my wife could easily say, we just started building a house. We can't leave when we're building a house. And do you know, my wife shocked me. She said, we didn't come to California to build a house. We shouldn't stay here just to build a house. Wow. So I go to the conference president. You know, I expect him to say, oh, you know, you just came here three and a half years ago. And I expected him to say, oh, that's, you don't need to go there. It's hot in Florida, humid, you know, sticky. You know what he said? He shocked me. He said, um, we, we didn't force you to come. We, we asked God to lead you and we won't force you to stay. You need to let God lead you. Thank God for leaders like that. Amen? <laughs> Before long, we're thrown 3,000 miles, um, 3,000 kilometers to Orlando, Florida. And we saw more miracles in the next six years than I've seen in my entire life. We saw God, I shared a little bit with you, take, take a, a church and set it on fire and and a global media ministry. Thank God for Lifestyle TV and what they're doing. A little church from nothing to 40 hours of global television coverage a week. And we had no money. We saw God work miracles, phenomenal miracles, like a young man about your age who came, and, and I saw he was filled with the Holy Spirit. I didn't have any money. And I said, I want to invite you to become a full-time volunteer pastor on our team. He prayed for one day. He came back. He said, I accept. No money. That's crazy. You say, how can you afford to live? He wanted to take a, a PhD in New Testament and, and teach the word of God. He said, I need to earn money. You know, we have our plans. We have our plans that we ask God to bless instead of begging God to ekbalo us where he wants us. This young man comes into my office and, and I, I said to him, I, I want to offer you a position as a full-time volunteer teaching pastor on our staff. Came back the next day. He said, I accept. He'd only been with us for two weeks. I introduced him in church. There was an elderly couple sitting in the front of the church. The Spirit of God impressed them. They called him on Tuesday. They said, we would like to give you 600 thousand kroner to sponsor your PhD program. That's not too much money here, apparently. You say, oh, they must have had a lot of money to give him 600,000 kroner. Listen, I know people that have a lot of money that wouldn't give you 10 kroner. It's a miracle that God touches someone's heart to give 600,000 kroner, isn't it? Today, that young man, he's just a young man like you, is a lead Bible teacher for the Hope Channel. 
By the way, he's just starting his PhD program. It's good to learn. It's good to, to become sharp. But, but you don't depend upon that. You, you don't depend upon those things. We'll learn about that in part three of this work. Don't miss that, okay? But we don't depend upon that. We depend upon the Lord of the harvest. Because he is going to ekbalo us to where we will be most effective in his work. Uh, I, I, learned a, I learned a lot about this text um, uh, by studying the game of basketball. Does anybody, do, they don't, do they play basketball? Yeah, they play basketball at Ekebehoma. Anybody here like to play basketball? Okay, yeah? Yeah, yeah, okay. I'm not too good at basketball. Do you know why? I, I noticed I was talking to Tanelli. Do any of you know Tanelli from Finland? Yeah, he's like twice my size. Huh? And, and he was talking to me. <laughs> and someone was looking at us and they went. <laughs> they thought I was sitting down and I was standing up. So I'm not too good at basketball. But, but I learned something about this text from, from the game of basketball. Um, some years ago, someone sent me a YouTube. You know what a YouTube video is? Yeah, okay. So someone sent me a YouTube video of a basketball game. It was just a little one-minute clip. It's the most amazing thing I ever saw. It's, it's just the very end of the game. And, and there's just like maybe one and a half seconds left in the game. And, and this team that has possession of the ball, they, they, are, they are behind by one point. So, so the other team is ahead by one point, and they have the ball just one and a half seconds left. And he is way over here near, in his court, and the basket is way over there like this basket over there. And there's just one and a half seconds left. There's no time for him to come down the court and do the fancy layup shot. And there's no time. He's way here, far away, and just one and a half seconds left, and they're one point behind. And so he does something amazing. It happened on the YouTube video. I watched it. He goes like this. I don't know if you've ever seen this. He takes the ball and he just goes like this. Have you ever seen someone do that? I asked him, what's that called? It's ekbalo. That's right. It's an ekbalo shot. Um, someone said it's, a, it's called a hope shot. You know, you throw and then you hope, you know. I mean... I don't know what they call it, but, you know, it's some kind of bomb, you know. So he takes the ball and he heaves the ball. Whoa! It goes flying through the air and time stands still. And his team, they are hoping it will go in. And this team, they're hoping it won't go in. And the ball's flying through the air. And it's coming down. And, and the clock goes to zero, but you know, if it's on its way down already, it still can go in and count. And time is at zero. And the basket and the ball comes through and whoo, straight through the hoop. And this, the player over here, he's dancing like this. And these people are crying over here. And the game is over. Because of one amazing shot. Listen to me. That was amazing in basketball. But with Jesus, with Jesus, when Jesus makes 
the hope shot. He makes a basket every time. In fact, Jesus is so amazing. He not only will ekbalo you. Isn't Jesus a wonderful Savior? He says, I'll never leave you or forsake you. He's there to catch us. We're like, how far did I go? You'll never go wrong in your life if you give God permission to to ekbalo you into his harvest. He'll, He'll put you exactly where he wants you to be. Well, there's another shot in basketball. It's called a slam dunk. Anybody know what a slam dunk is? Okay? For those of you that don't know, it goes like this. Okay? Basket goes up, maybe passes to someone, and then he has like little rockets in his shoes, you know? And he goes up in the air like, how did he do that? Way up in the air, the person passes him the ball. He's right over the basket now, and he goes, have you ever seen a slam dunk? I mean, it's amazing, isn't it? Amazing. And when the person does the slam dunk, what direction is the ball going? Straight down. It's not, it's not like, it's like straight down. Sometimes, sometimes, when you beg the Lord of the harvest to ekbalo you into his harvest, sometimes he may throw you 3,000 kilometers. He may throw you 20,000 kilometers. But sometimes he may take you and say, are you serious? You want, you want me to ekbalo you just where I want you to be. You say, yes, Lord, wherever you want me to go, whatever you want me to do. He says, okay, you ready? Yes, ready. And he goes, right here. Stay at the Madison Mission School. Stay in Washington, even though you hate the traffic. Stay in Stockholm or Bergen or wherever, wherever God has planted you. Just stay there because this is where I want you. You say, well, that didn't work. I I prayed and I'm still here. No. No. It's it's a big difference between getting up and saying, well, I'm here because this is my job. And saying, I'm here because this is where the Lord of the harvest has ekbalod me. Amen? I'm here because God wants me here now. Someone said to me, "Uh, Derek, uh, how how did you have time to come to Ekebehom? I have to be in Florida on January 7, and, and then I have to be filming in the Hope Channel on January 8 through January 18, and, and then I have to film the Hope Sabbath School for 13 hours. And, and, and how did you end up at Ekebehom in this wonderful, beautiful snow? <laughs> and the answer is very simple. I am here because God ekbalowed me here. I was so tired. I was sick uh, just last week. I, I, actually, a week and a half ago, I went to a conference 
in uh, Alabama at Oakwood University. And, and there was a flu epidemic in that area at that time. And, and you know, when you're with a thousand people, it moves so quickly. And I came home, and shortly after I came back, I got sick. So I was, I was weak. And, and <laughs> even, even when I went to the airport uh, last uh, Wednesday, I, I, was, I was feeling tired. You say, well, why, why are you going here? I'm going because God says, my strength is made perfect even in your weakness. And if God is for us, who can be against us? I'm here not because uh, I have to be here. I'm here because God egg me. So I go to the airport in Atlanta, and I'm feeling tired. And I'm waiting for my flight to Frankfurt. Eight hours and 20 minutes. Long flight. And then from Frankfurt to Stockholm. And, and while I'm sitting waiting for the flight, one of the um, Lufthansa representatives comes up to me and says, uh, um, you have another boarding pass. So I take it. And I look at it. And without even asking, I have been upgraded from economy to business class. Now, that might mean very much to some of you. But, but in business class, the chair isn't like this. In business class, the chair goes down like this. And I was able to sleep from Atlanta to Frankfurt. Isn't God good? <laughs> he knows how strong we are. He knows when we are weak. He knows what we need before we ask him. And we can cry out to him and say, God, uh, whatever you want me to do, wherever you want me to go, if you want me to stay here, I'll stay here. If you want me to go far away, I'll go far away. I just want my life to be in your hands. And so I'm going, to, I'm going to take the risk to pray a radical prayer and to give the Lord of the harvest permission to, what was the word? To ekbalo me <laughs> into his harvest. Now, I, I hope you can come. If you cannot come to part three, I, I want you to write down the web address. It's just the title of the book, theradicalprayer.com. Because you must, you must listen to part three of this workshop. It is, part, it, it, it is there in chapters four and five. And, and you can also go to contact and ask me. I'll send you an electronic copy of the book. Okay? Free. Because I love Jesus. <laughs> I want you to know. Because what we're going to talk about in part three is very important. Because if you are willing, and I, I sense that some of you are willing to pray this prayer. Am I right? Are some of you willing? If, if you're willing to pray this radical prayer, you must, you must learn what we will talk about in part three. Because Jesus said, I send you out, this is verse three now, as lambs. In the midst of wolves. <laughs> you say, I don't like that. 
So you have to come to part three of the workshop, okay? Because we're going to learn how we can radically depend upon the Lord of the harvest. And when you do, then verse 17, you experience radical joy. But we're going to sing our theme song again. I don't know if Vivian's still here. Yeah. But I want you to sing it with new, uh, with maybe a new understanding now. The harvest truly is great, but the laborers are few. Therefore, pray. Cry out. Beg. Not to change God's heart. Give him permission to change your heart. Beg the Lord of the harvest, not just to send out laborers, but to what? Ekbalo laborers into his harvest and give him permission to begin with you. Let's sing together. truly is great, but the laborers are few, the laborers are few. The harvest truly is great, but the laborers are few. Therefore pray. Therefore pray the Lord of the harvest to send our
Lord God, thank you for this hour of Bible study together. We have tried to understand the the clear teaching of Jesus because the harvest truly is great, but the laborers are few. God, I'm thankful that there are people here you're speaking to their hearts to, to pray that radical prayer. To say, Lord of the harvest, I, I beg you to throw out laborers into your harvest and, and you have my permission to begin with me. And we can say that in our own words, but, but we understand that you're asking us to go wherever you want us to go and to do whatever you want us to do and to say whatever you want us to say, to be the person you want us to be. And I thank you that we can trust you, that you will ekbalo us, whether near or far or right where we are, that you will ekbalo us to the place where we will be the most fruitful in your work and the most happy because we are exactly where you want us to be. And so as we reflect upon this study and as we continue to prayerfully listen to your voice during this conference, I thank you that you will give us the opportunity to pray this radical prayer for our own lives. And not just for us, Lord, but would you, could it be that from Impact Scandinavia that you would throw out hundreds of workers, hundreds of laboring laborers into your harvest just where you want us? Thank you, Lord. We trust you and we praise you. In Jesus' name, amen. This media was brought to you by Audioverse, a website dedicated to spreading God's word through free sermon audio and much more. If you would like to know more about Audioverse, or if you would like to listen to more sermons, please visit www.audioverse.org